I'm the GM. Nobody's leaving. We're going to be grown men. No, I'm being he said serious. we're doing no, therapy, family. Are you going to have them doing like trust exercises where Donovan's got to fall? <laughs> the trust we're ball. going Phil Jackson style. What's up, what's up, and welcome to Certified Buckets, the can't-miss NBA podcast where we hit on all things hoops and culture, brought to you by Uninterrupted. I'm your girl, Ashley Nicole Moss, and as regular schmegular, I'm here with my guys, Christian Winfield, lethal shooter. Guys, what is up? A lot of basketball, a lot of storylines going down a, in the NBA. A lot of trash talking on social media, Ash. They was lighting your ass Man, up the other day. What's going him. on? Right. I know. You would think I said, no shade, Bruce. Like, Bruce Brown was the best player in the world. I didn't think KD being the best was a wild take, but I guess it is. Yeah, we got a what have you done for me lately you know, society and KD got swept lately, unfortunately. So listen, basketball is a team sport. That's all I'm going to say. We will get into it, but yeah. there, there's a lot of intricate details to the situation <laughs> that are going down. That's going down in Brooklyn, but we'll get into that. I'm sure you got a lot to say, but of we have an amazing show lined up. Everyone, we're going to cover all four series, hit on some fun timeline topics and we got a special guest, guys. Legendary coach Phil Handy is going to be joining us later. Oh, so yes. that's going to be very exciting. Yeah. Listen, trainer to trainer, Lethal's going to have some fun with that one. I'll tell you that much. Listen, if you you guys are enjoying the show, make sure you continue to support us and you can do so by subscribing to our podcast wherever you happen to be listening and get at us on social media at Certified Buckets. No vowels in the word buckets. And we are on all social media platforms, like I said, Instagram and Twitter. Interact with us and maybe you'll hear your comments on the next show. All right, guys, so this is officially our first episode since the second round started, and some things have changed, some things have panned out, and some things haven't. So we're going to get caught up in this edition of 315. All right, y'all, check ball. It's time for us to go three on five. All right, so we are going to start in Phoenix, Death Valley, where the Suns survived a late push by the Mavs to take a 1-0 lead in the series. The Mavs looked outmatched, which has you looking at the Utah Jazz a little bit sideways, but we'll get into that (laughs) for most of the contest. And even with a huge, huge game from Luka, they weren't able to keep it close for the most part. Christian, after watching game one, do you feel any differently about this series than you did before it started? Um, no. I mean, I think we knew that Phoenix is this juggernaut on both sides of the ball. And Mm. I think we knew that, you know, the Mavericks go as Luka Doncic goes. I mean, he had 45 points and they still lost. 45 points. I mean, you you could look at the box (laughs) score. Maybe you want to get Spencer Dinwiddie involved a little more. He only got eight shots off. You know, maybe you want to get Jalen Brunson. I mean, Jalen Brunson shot six of 16. He's got to shoot better. But at the end of the day, for you to get 45 from Luka and still lose... It's tough. I don't. I, I mean, right. I mean, to be honest, the Mavs had a good season, right? They got out of the first round, even though Luca was hurt, right? That's that's great. I don't think anyone expected them to go all the way. You know, Phoenix, I, I think is going to win this series pretty easily. What you thinking, Lethal? No, absolutely. I got to agree with you with that. It was just Luca was given everything he had. I mean, all due respect to Luca. I mean, that's the hardest punch he can throw. 
and Phoenix has a complete team. You know, they didn't have anybody stock stop DeAndre Ayton, and that's the one thing that Ashley was talking about as well. Just you know, bigs of his nature who can face up, shoot, shoot the sky hook, block shots, and defend one through five. And the Mavs didn't have anybody to stop him. So this, I mean, they they went as far as we thought they would go. You know, so I got the Suns uh, knocking this one out as well. Yo, all I got to tell DeAndre Ayton is get your bag when this yeah, series, when this season is over because they playing they to with play you. Him. Yeah, they, yeah. they are play playing him. with you. They, they don't have an year answer. Bag. Right. They <laughs> don't have an answer for DeAndre Ayton. Nah. This man has already proved his worth not only as a player, but Facts. as an intricate detail to the Suns offense and especially their defense. And he still don't have that bag. All I'm saying is, play your game, DeAndre. Make sure you guys go ahead and go all the way. But when the season comes to an end, whenever that may be, if you don't have a bag, you're not showing up to camp in October, all right, mm. September. I'm letting you know that right now. <laughs> I'll say this, though. I mean, when you look at the way Dallas's roster is constructed, they're missing that big man, right? I think they need that. But, Ash, I think they might be in play to maybe go get Mitchell Robinson. You throw Mitchell Robinson on that, on that Mavs team, which would be terrible Luka, for us. Yeah, that, that gives Luca a little lob threat at the rim, a taller guy, someone who could really protect the paint. You know, I, I don't think that solves all their issues, right? I think they need to find other ways to generate offense on the perimeter. But you get somebody down there in the center who can actually be that lob threat, be that anchor on both ends. Now maybe Phoenix isn't scoring one twenty one. Now maybe they're scoring one thirteen, right? And now you got different game. I don't know. We gotta we gotta have an off season episode I for think, this one. I think the Mavs need actually two things. I, I agree with that. You need somebody of size to go ahead and just protect the boards and get those rebounds and you know you know kind of be that bully but they also need a lot more offensive help i think who they have at their core outside of luca you know it's hot and cold it's hit or miss obviously you know tim hardaway jr is a great asset he's out right now brunson who i'm a big fan of has shown that he's a great supporting guy but he's not you know your b guy he's not even your c guy i think you know the mavs would benefit from somebody like not to say that this is going to happen, but a Damian Lillard Game or, a time. or like a Bradley Beal, someone who can go ahead and take some of that scoring pressure off of Luka because you can't keep riding Luka like this. Like his body cannot go ahead and continually do this every season. You drop 45 points in a game, you're supposed to win. Yeah. You're supposed to have enough supporting help that that's enough to go ahead and get you a dub. And it wasn't, and that's because the Mavs haven't done their job in constructing this team around Luka in what adheres to his needs and what adheres to him as a player. Luka is the nucleus. Everything else has to revolve around him, or he's the son, rather, and everything has to revolve around him, yeah. and they just haven't done a good job at doing that. I agree with you 100%. And I just, it, it, it was hard to watch last night because it was like he was trying to do everything. I mean, right. all due respect to him, I think he holds the ball a little too long sometimes, so it's hard for other people to get into a rhythm. It turns other people just trying to play one-on-one but like he has to do that because like you're saying he doesn't have that extra piece that he could just take a break like it's just it's, it was bad yeah. right people people say that the offense is too luca centric but what's yeah. the alternative what, what, like what, what do we change there is no the alternative yo. that's right. that's all it is so they're gonna have to find and but then even even still right say you want to go get a dame or you want to go get a bill how, who are you going to give up to go get that, right? You, right. you, you got to give to get. I mean, what, you, what are you going to do, give up Spencer Dinwiddie? Well, I like, think the interesting thing about going after, say, a Bradley Beal is the Wizards are on that fringe between rebuilding 
and trying to make a push. So I think if you did package up some of your younger guys, I don't think the team would be trash. I think they would be somewhat competitive. It wouldn't be like top tier of the NBA, but I think you would have a nice future. You have to surround Luka with someone in his caliber, some another yeah, star. It can't be another supporting player. So you have to make a deal with a team that's kind of rebuilding, but also not trying to tank completely. And I think a team like, you know, Washington, a team like Portland is in that situation. They're not going to be, you know, contenders anytime soon, but they're also not, you know, looking to be at the bottom of the barrel. They're somewhere in the middle. And that's your best bet in making any type of move to help Luca out is you got to attack those teams. Yeah. My only thing is I think they're going to have other teams that got better offers than what Tim Hardaway Jr., Spencer Dinwiddie, and a couple picks. So That's it's fair. Gonna be tough. Not gonna work. Shout out to Mark Cuban. He gonna figure it out. Right, which yeah. is crazy. You would think you know people want to play in Dallas. You know the taxes are low, and Dallas right. is a cool city. I mean, I don't know, but lethal. How do you get the offense? You know the other guys in the offense involved in the meantime until you can go ahead and get Lucas some legit help because if you look at Dinwiddie and Brunson they only combined for 21 points together so you got to get Lucas some more help you can't miraculously add a new player to the roster so what do you do I mean honestly watching it last night just be ready to shoot catch and shoot catching downhill I think exactly what they're doing is what's going to fit because if they don't do that they'll be losing those games by like 20 yikes well I I, I mean me personally (laughs) I always know what to change but watching them last night it was just like I can't say run this play for this person that person I know one of their players got really hot yesterday and they didn't do a good job of uh keeping him hot but other than that I just they all due respect to their team they just got a you know good some good basketball players it's not like enough to win a second round playoffs Mm. I guess the Suns at that. I mean, the Suns yeah. are the standard in the West, right? It's like imagine them playing against the Warriors. You see the same oh thing gosh. happening to them right now. Right. So they're right. just they're just a caliber below, and there's nothing just wrong a, with that. It's right. It's just where they are right Which now. Which makes right. you look at Utah all types of sideways man, because I'm they faced you. a Mavericks team that did not get Luka back Come until on, Game man. Four. They were fully loaded, fully healthy. This should have gone. That series should have been a wash. Sweet. If it wasn't. It should have only gone five. Right. Like the fact that that series did not go in their favor when that team was not at full strength, that team meaning Dallas. And you see, listen, credit to the Mavs. They don't have enough to compete with the Suns to come out of the series winning, but they're fighting. You know what? I would respect when they was down like 10 with one minute left, they they were still running around hard. They were, it just shows that their grit. And and they and they just won't lay on their back. So that was really good to watch as a trainer. Christian, why get, are you laughing down we, there? Because we're gonna get you? to Utah. Utah got some serious <laughs> problems that they gotta take care of, and we we they they on the rundown, y'all. We gonna get to them. Bef- before right. we move on to topic number two, series predictions. I have this series ending in five. I think that the Mavs will pull out one game, but oh, wow. I think it's I think it's gonna end in five with the Suns obviously coming out on top. Chris. We gonna we gonna have to call it the Brooklyn Nets special. 
They about to get swept. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. I think losing game one on your own home floor, Phoenix is just showing you how much better than they are. I don't think Phoenix is going to lose at home. I think no. they're going to – I think and this is over. I, I believe in Luka Magic one time in Dallas, so. You one, pull in one game? I give I give Luka Magic one time in Dallas. I, I, I How hard did I, they work him that first game? I don't know. And he looked hurt, because, right? Wasn't he walking bro, he around holding look, his – Bro, yeah, he was bro. moving like – he was moving real slowish. Wait for them to get you some help, Luka. Right. You don't got to do this. Save your body, You got, you got a long career, brother. All right, so for topic number two, we are moving down to my second home, the 305, because Miami took care of business against the 76ers, obviously without Joel Embiid. No surprises here that they beat up on a team without a league MVP candidate. But Lethal, given the news about Joel Embiid, and it is, you know, devastating news, especially yeah. if you're a 76ers fan, a basketball fan, an Embiid fan, was this series just over before it even started? Yeah, with no Joel Embiid, all due respect to Philly, those are my guys, some of the guys on the team, but they just don't stand a chance because, you know, like you always say, and what Chris always say, Miami plays with so much grit and toughness, like that old-fashioned 90s NBA we you we you know we need Joel Embiid to be down there to to just put them in a little bit of fear. They they were just having their way. I, I changed the channel. It was just they was just doing whatever they wanted. Let me so, tell you yeah. why. Let me tell you exactly why the Sixers might lose this series in four games. It's because James Harden gave you sixteen points in thirty five minutes. Yeah. Like, look, I I understand. 30. Yeah, I understand that James yeah. Harden is at a point in his career where he wants to be facilitator more than scorer, <laughs> but that's not gonna cut it. Sixteen points, taking thirteen shots in thirty-five minutes in a playoff game when Embiid is out. With Embiid out, James Harden has to be trying to go for forty every night, mm. no questions asked. And no, for him to be going for sixteen, you know, what I'm saying nine rebounds, five assists to five turnovers, nah, that's not gonna cut it. And if that's mm -hmm. what he's bringing every night with no Joel Embiid, just send them to the same spot that you send in. The, the Dallas Mavericks, they all going to meet up with the Brooklyn Nets and party in Bora Bora. These, mm -hmm. all, all these teams are getting swept. Oh, we upgraded. We're not in Cancun anymore. Nah, it's Bora you, Bora you, now. Your you, you Bora Bora, uh, it, it's working out now. <laughs> the agenda is playing off. Listen, before we get into James Harden, some information. Jimmy Butler won't practice Tuesday um, when we're recording this podcast, but he is expected to play game two despite some soreness that he's been experiencing in his right knee. Kyle Lowry is still going to be out. He's already been ruled out for game two. Um, Bam Adebayo had a hell of a game. Mm -hmm. Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year, if you ask mm -hmm. me, undisputed, hell of a game. So they're rocking and rolling on both sides of the ball. And the cool thing about the Miami Heat, and I say this all the time, I have the utmost respect for Eric Spolster. I think he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. The guys respect him, and it shows. And he's just creative when it comes to his lineups. He's creative when it comes to his schemes. Um, I think the entire coaching staff is just well-oiled from top to bottom, and it showcases because these guys, you know, they play every single aspect of basketball. And, you know, in the beginning, they play with their food a little bit, and that's a bad habit, but they always get right back on track. But going back to James Harden, I mean – the conversation has been out for a while that mm -hmm. every single time we get to this point of the year, James Harden disappears. He did it in Houston, you know, Miami, I'm sorry, not Miami, Brooklyn. He was hurt. Um, and even when he was on the court during the regular season, it just, eh, now we're seeing him in Philly and this is the opportunity for him to change that narrative because Embiid can't bail him out. There is no covering your shortcomings with the greatness of Joel Embiid because he's not there. And he's kind of proving everybody right. I mean, it's not looking great for the James Harden legacy conversation. 
if James Harden just wanted to sit back and not shoot 20 to 25 times a game, he should have stayed in Brooklyn. Because you got KD on one side and Kyrie on the other side. This is what happens when you get impatient. He could have just waited for the Vax mandate to get lifted and and then been there playing maestro. That could have been what he did the whole time. Uh, Let me tell you what happens now. If I'm Mike D'Antoni, I don't want this Philly job now. If they nah. if they're gonna fire Doc Rivers at the end of the season, nah, give me Lamelo Ball, right? At least he's right. young and I could get him looking right. If I'm getting this version of James Harden, that means I'm going down with the ship. I'm right. This is bad. This is bad, bad stuff. Philly deserves better than this. Philly as a city and as a franchise, they deserve better than this. It is interesting when you bring up that point because, you know, James Harden almost made it seem so like indirectly because he never fully came out and said it that he wanted to leave Brooklyn because they weren't competitive. He wasn't, you know, they weren't doing what he went there to do. And it almost seemed like he was hungry for the opportunity to do more, to be more. And now you see him in a situation where, look, this is this is your stage. I mean, Joel Embiid now is out. And even when Joel Embiid was playing, it was you and Embiid. You guys were one and two. And it's like, where where's all that action you were talking about, James? Like, you, you put up this whole, like, hoopla about getting out of Brooklyn because of, you know, this and that. And, you know, there were all these conversations. And it seemed like you just wanted to be in a competitive space, a contender space. Well, you're there, but you ain't doing nothing, homie. Like, what's going on? If there was one city that I would hate for James Harden to play in for the first two games of a playoff series, it would clearly be Miami. Right. Right, That's not where we want him to be. It's just it's it's a bad set of circumstances. No Embiid. You're playing in Miami. He doesn't want to shoot very much. He's right. not the same in terms of athletic ability. Y'all saw Lil Baby Courtside. Lil Baby Courtside, yeah. Wherever James Harden go, Lil Baby go. Lil Baby was here in Brooklyn when James Harden was here, but that oh, didn't wow. help him get his step back. Hell nah. Right. That was the best it's, thing that happened. People on to the step back, and I think I spoke about this before. This is why he has to start. See, the good thing about Kevin Durant, Kyrie, they can come off down screens. They could, they can come off double staggers. They can do different things. All due to respect to James. Like, we love his step back, but – he has to be able to do other things as well when it comes to the arsenal. And I think people have really caught on to what he has to do to continue to keep a rhythm. And with the NBA rule changes and the way that you're able to do some things now, it's hard for him to score. So he has just this this summer, just add some more stuff to his game. Like Dang. it's the same exact game that he had. We talking about James Harden needing to still add more stuff to his game at this yeah, stage of like, his career? I feel like it's a, it's a little mm. late in the game. No, it's never like, too late. Mm. Mamba mentality. Know. It's never too late. Yeah, I mean, man, James Harden does. and Kobe Bryant, rest in soul, rest yeah. in heaven. Right, they, don't make he, like he, the they don't make him like Kobe anymore. But right. I will say this. Embiid has not been ruled out for this series. He just did not travel with the team to Miami. So obviously that means he's out games one and two. But game three and four back in Philly is still up for grabs. It's still a possibility. If Embiid does come back for game three, do the 76ers still have a chance to win the series, Lethal? He's no. going to have to put the mask on, mask on, mask off. But because like <laughs> this is the Miami Heat. This is this is uh Alonzo Mourning. This is this is the, the the people they got in that office as soon as he go to the basket they going across his face. So it's just like <laughs> Miami Heat ain't no joke. So it's right. just I I I got the heat. Yeah, I would have All to right. agree. I would have to agree. I mean, because at that point, what type of Joel Embiid are you getting back? Right? He had a concussion. He had a facial fracture. You know what I'm saying? That's like, Doc Rivers' fault. No, it ain't. Doc Rivers. Joel Embiid is a grown man. Hold on, we're not gonna do this, Lethal. Uh-oh. Listen, Doc Rivers off. had a team that yeah. was up 
29 points with four minutes left to play. Right. Why is your star MVP candidate still in the game? Why is he not on the bench getting rest? And don't tell me, oh, the other team had their starters in the I game. Yeah, because that. they were. Yes, he did. He was quoted as saying, no, well, said, the I other team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, because they were facing elimination, Doc. Like, they're, right. they're playing to the death. It's this right. or Cancun. Like, there's only two options. Why Joel Embiid was in that game is beyond me. I think some coaches be doing that to help their players stat their st- uh, pat their stats. Or some some coaches be doing it to pat their own stats. If you yeah, catch it's, it's, it's it's not right and it hurts. You know, because I think Danny Green spoke about it as well. It sucks that that happened, but you know, some um, guys that are face of the franchise when you sub them out. They'll they'll say stuff to the coaches or make them feel some type of way. So some coaches be like, you know what it is, what it is. Let's keep them in. LeBron's a good example too. LeBron, they'll be up thirty sometimes. LeBron will be in the game. You know what LeBron, I mean? LeBron, so, LeBron's not sitting. I'll tell you right now. If what? that was if this was a playoff series and his right. team was up thirty, LeBron's sitting on the bench because he knows better. It's what are you going to do, Chris? It's the long game. Let me not tell you what. Game. Let me let me tell you. LeBron's tell you. no fool. If we got <laughs> NBA players listening to this, stop looking at what your line is. On, on oh, DraftKings and on FanDuel. I'm missing my Don't rebound. look at that. Don't look at that. Just, you know what I'm saying? Get the win and get out the game, y'all. All right. So whether or not Embiid comes back is yet to be seen. But series predictions, I got a heat in five. I give Philly one. I, I always feel like so there's always one won. game. No, there's always <laughs> one game that, like, you should close out, but you don't close out. And I feel like we're going to see that, especially going back to Philly. I, okay. I have heat in five. That's what I'm rolling with. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go heat in five too. Yeah, I think I need to. I need to find those papers because we might be smoking on that sixes pack in four. (laughs) It's bad, man. I don't. I don't. If this is the James Harden we're getting, taking. I don't know why he's not like he should be so motivated, bro. Like I know this is a lot, but hear me out. You know how Steph and Mm -hmm. Russ and them beginning the game, they'll run all the way up to the uh to the. Rem, ah, some crazy. It's like he's just always just like different. Breed. All due respect, yeah. He just it's like turn something on that you just like. They like it's like we watching like damn James. He he got another motor right now. He moving a two hundred miles breed. an hour. Yeah, Listen, we, we talked about it. We talked about it last show. The tick. Some players have it. Some players yeah. don't. I think he gonna show out next game though. I, think I hope so. Next game. I hope so. We're going to move on to topic number three, and we're going down to the dirty, dirty South because Memphis has game two that will be played shortly after we record this episode. Now, we won't be able to recap that game specifically, but let's get into how the Warriors-Grizzly series is playing out and will continue to play out. As we speak, the Warriors hold a 1-0 series lead and have already accomplished the goal of stealing home court away from the Grizzlies. And they say the series doesn't start until someone loses at home. Christian, after game one, what is your major takeaways from this series? And before you answer, I want to give everyone a recap. There were a lot of questionable calls in that game, but the one that got everybody riled up mm. was the ejection of Draymond Green for what a lot of people considered a non-flagrant two, more of a flagrant one. And it has come out that it will not be downgraded. So the league is going to stand 10 toes down wow. in that flagrant two call. And he now has two points. Players are allowed three flagrant foul points in a series. Christian, take it away. Number one, that just shows you how soft this league has become. Mm. Right. Number one, I mean, the hit on the face was obviously a play on the ball, right? I think we all could see he was trying to go for a block, hit him in the face. And then I think the pulling him down 
uh, with using his jersey, I think that's a flagrant one. And obviously there was no malice intended there. He was trying to help him up off the ground, trying to make sure he didn't get hurt. I mean, but even still, for the Warriors to win this game without Draymond, mm. that's tough. Mm. To, to win this game without Draymond in Memphis, mm. tough. That's tough. I don't I don't think the Grizzlies are going to be a team that gets swept, but now mm. they've lost. They, that, that's the psychology of a home team, right? You think, okay, we got to defend home court. We're going to be good. You You don't have home court no more. So I, I think it's think over we, in five. Do you think we saw that best, the best version of the Grizzlies in that game and they still mm-hmm. lost? Because if you look at it, guys who don't normally shoot well were shooting well. Jaron Jackson Jr., not a good three-point shooter, was Boy, hitting everything. Even on. John Morant, John was who does not lost. have... John Morant on, does man. not have a great mid-range game. He it, he's not a great three-point shooter yet. Mm. Was hitting everything. Mm. Steph was I, off. Clay was off. I went on live right after the game and I said <laughs> it is unacceptable that the Grizzlies lost that game, especially when Draymond left the game. It's mm. no if they lost that game and the way that uh, the center shot, the way that Jaw came out, the way that like you said the supporting cast came out from Memphis and then they lost. They, you know what? They remind me sometimes. All due respect, they do what the Timberwolves do sometimes. They don't show mm. their maturity. Like they'll be playing a certain type of way, just like how the Timberwolves do. You'll watch them and say, "Okay, they're about to just start doing playground stuff." It's like some stuff. Just calm down, run a set. Everything yes. don't need to be looking it's like very y'all at the Rucker. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that goes to our point, right? This is experience. Sure, the right. Warriors aren't the same team that right. they were when they won all those championships, but you still got a lot of those same pieces, right? You still got the guys who've been there and done that. And yeah, you, you got some right. young guys, but... And you saw that experience, like, in real mm-hmm. time, and that's one of the things that is so enamoring about the Warriors is every single time the Grizzlies would go on a run and the crowd would go crazy, they weren't phased. It was calm. Yeah. It was concise. It was, you know, decision-making. It was smooth. It was effective. It was possession by possession, play by play. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, missed free throws and Steph being off. They knew. And this is what I said. This was my concern about the Grizzlies facing the Warriors. And I said this when we previewed this series Mm -hmm. is when you face a team that is lethal, shout out Mm -hmm. lethal, Uh from so many Mm -hmm. different aspects on the court, and you're a team that, for the most part, will only have one good three-point shooter, consistent three-point shooter on the floor at a time. And John Morant hasn't gone ahead and developed the other aspects of his game. When it came down to the wire, Clay and the Warriors knew exactly what Ja was going to do. He was going to his left. He was driving it in the paint. Because he hasn't really developed his mid-range. He hasn't developed his three. It makes you predictable. It makes you easy to guard. And until you go ahead and deepen your bag, you will always go ahead and find yourself in a position to where people know what you're about to do. And we saw that in game one. Here's what I think. I think game two, we're going to see Desmond Bain shoot better. Right, he shot one of five from downtown. I don't think that's going to happen again. I think he's got too much pride to go down like that. Oh, I think for we're sure. going to see Dylan Brooks shoot better as well. He shot two of eight from downtown. If you're getting he eight looks, wilding, bro. you got to you got you got to hit was some more of those some shots. Crazy shots. Yeah, bro. yeah. Nah, he was he was bugging out. But at the same time, I mean, like we said, only 15 points from Clay, but you get 31 off the bench from Jordan Poole. I mean. Shout out to Jordan Poole again. Man, Jordan, what, what he's you, able what to you do. you call him Ash? He's the third. Uh, he's the third, third splash, splash brother. brother. Yeah. Man. I, I thought it was another. They're triplets the now. Tw- tw- splash triplets. Yeah, the, the, the That's funny. triplets. Like, he yeah. looks awesome. So, series predictions, guys. What do we have? Oh, I'll go after. I'll go after you guys. I'll, I'll give it five games. I think the Grizzlies are a prideful team. I don't think they'll go down and I don't think they get swept. 
But I don't. Once you lose home court, that's tough, right? Because now even if you win game two, I think the Warriors are gonna protect home court because that's what oh, they Chase do. Oh, Chase Center is gonna be tough. Yeah, it's oh. gonna be tough. So I got this one ending in five. I, I Warriors, actually, but... I'm actually gonna go Warriors in six. I think that mm. I think the Grizzlies will win this game tonight. Wow. So I two. think that they'll go to Golden State, lose both, but I think they'll go ahead and ultimately win the next one that comes back to Memphis, and I think okay. that uh, the Warriors will close it out in Oakland. Oh, wow. Mm. I, yeah. I go going five six. as well. I go five Warriors. I, I, I'm just going to remind you guys that it's the Grizzlies who knocked the Warriors out of the play-in last year. That is I know they remember, that. Maybe they grow from this that first That is, game. but that's a very – it's different when you got to play seven games, potentially. That is true. That it's different. True. One and done is a whole different That's situation than a series. Five. I got it's a, five it's a marathon. It. It's, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a race. So, all right. Well, we're going to move on to topic number four, and we're going to talk about the reigning champions, the Milwaukee Bucks, who still have me blocked on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Um, Come on, y'all. <laughs> we got to keep I'm, doing this I go every to week. help them, I got you next week. Like, Listen, I am going, going to mention that every single time. Versus right. the Boston Celtics, who swept Christian's Brooklyn Nets. Now, wow. the Bucks pulled off a, I guess, slight upset in game one because a lot of people were favoring the Celtics. And just like the Warriors flipped home court advantage in their advantage in this series, Lethal, do you feel like the Celtics are the favorite to win this series? And that was just a really bad game from a really good team or the Bucks just had their number? The Bucks are too big. You know, um, when I talked to a few guys before the game, before they played the Celtics, and we were just going over things, and I was just looking at the Celtics, and it was just like they were just pounding them so bad. It was just mm. crazy. And, and the one thing that I saw that was happening with the Celtics, they were trying to play that aggressive basketball as well, but they were just getting thrown around. I think the only way the Celtics can try to pull this out is to stretch out the uh, defense more and attack more aggressive. They weren't attacking uh, hard enough. They were just going in there trying to uh, get pity pat fouls. But the one thing I, I think we can say that's been great, except for the Draymond uh, kick out, the refs have actually been letting these teams play mm -hmm. competitive basketball. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of frustrating the Celtics as well. But I think if they come out and they go aggressively to the basket, and most importantly, Go at Giannis. You know, he's my guy. You know, I mean, Giannis. Go at Giannis. Like, he's my guy. You know, we, you know, but it's just like you have to go at the star players so they can know that we're not afraid. And I feel like they didn't put Giannis on his toes enough to make him feel that they're coming after him because the one thing that they're doing, the Bucks, they're coming downhill like a real, like a train with no brakes. And I mean, it's in and we also have to point out the Jays didn't play well. Jason and Jalen yeah. um, wasn't the best game from them either. But interesting, Christian, before, you know, I let you go ahead and chime in here. We took a Twitter poll before game one about who would win this series. And it was kind of close. 54% said the Celtics, 46% said the Bucks. So it wasn't heavily leaning towards one side or the other. But Christian, do you think that the Celtics team may have been overrated by the general public after what they did to the Brooklyn Nets? Or is this, like I said, just a really bad game from a really great team? Number one, you had Giannis throwing alley-oops to himself off the backboard. They were like, playing football I mean, out there. It was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> that play right there just lets you know what type of time they were on. I, I think, number one, when you when you look at a team like the Bucks and they have a, a big man like Brooke Lopez who's able to 
now pull the other team's big man away from the rim because you got to respect mm-hmm. that three-point shot. That opens up the paint so much. Teams need that, right? If the Nets were able to have somebody like that, it might change what they're able to do. But number two, it kind of shows you the difference between Giannis and KD, right? KD was really struggling with the physicality of the, of the Celtics defense. Giannis is like, nah, what's up? Bring it, yeah. bring it some more. He's going to run right through that. And that's, yeah. you know what I'm saying, that the Celtics aren't necessarily ready for that yet. Maybe. We'll see what happens in game two. I don't know what they do here, right? Because if you overcommit on Giannis, you're going to find other shooters, right? He's got right. shooters all over the floor. That's something that a lot of teams can't say. You've got right. one guy like Giannis. You got four shooters around him. Number two, I mean, no Middleton, and this is how y'all giving it up, Boston. No Middleton. Come on, very. I mean, if Middleton was there, lose by twenty. Up. Yeah, very impressive. Up. I mean, Sorry, look, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I definitely don't think it's gonna be a sweep. It's gonna be a competitive series. Oh, you wow. can expect the Celtics to turn it around. Okay. I'm gonna go ahead and stick with my original prediction. I had Celtics in six. I'm not overly confident oh. about that, but I'm yeah. gonna stick with it. What yeah. are you guys thinking? I'll go first this time, Chris. I, I'll say five. Celtics, Celtics and five. five? No, 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 no. Bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bucks, 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 Bucks. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm on the same train. I don't think yeah, that there's yeah. anything the Celtics are going to be able to do unless we're seeing Tatum come out. That's what I was just about to say. If they go smacking Giannis, yeah. they got to go smack. I'm talking about yeah. like when Giannis gets on that island, stop playing with this dude. Even if he block your shot, just try to dunk. Like go, you have to go at the heart. He's yeah. the heart. Yeah, I, I've, I'm I'm leaning with you, Lethal. I got Bucks and yeah, Bucks and five. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Boston. You had a good run. Wow, looks like we're gonna get Miami, gonna Milwaukee. See. Okay, what's up, Astrodamus? Where, where them Celtics at? Right, right. Uh huh. I know. Yeah. I, listen, it happens. Know. Don't, don't, don't. It still <laughs> might happen. Rolling up that Astrodamus pack too. <laughs> we are gonna go ahead and close out three on five with a topic that I know Christian is thrilled to discuss. Oh, right. Oh, yes. And that is the Utah Jazz because the series is over for them, but that hasn't stopped the team from making headlines. Rumor has it that Rudy Gobert has given the team an ultimatum to choose between him or Donovan Mitchell. So, fellas, let's put ourselves in a position of power. You know, I love that. With this ultimatum, we will act as the new GM of the Utah Jazz. We can only keep one player. Lethal, I'm going to start with you. Don't go ahead and be politically correct. You got to make a choice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Who are you keeping between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell? And what would that hypothetical trade look like? I'm going to say I'll keep Donovan Mitchell. Um, it's just hard because who do we find that can play defense like Gobert? I'm the GM. Nobody's leaving. We're going to be grown men. And, no, I'm being <laughs> he said serious. we're doing no, therapy, family. It's not even therapy. It's like that means, in all due respect to their coach, somebody need to get these dudes in order. Like this is what's wrong, I feel like, sometimes with the NBA. It's like the, you know, the players are the players. Don't get it messed up. But if I'm the coach, man, fix y'all shit, bro. Like, this is bigger than you guys. Like, and then Rudy Gobert, look, hey, yo, Keem, yo, Shaq, yo, somebody, hey, look, we got 200000 for two days come through to to help. Like, he needs a big man coach. Like, and he needs to at least shoot a mid-range jump shot in today's NBA because picture this. Picture Rudy Gobert shooting a left-hand hook, a right-hand hook, catching the basketball, being able to pass across the court, mid-range jump shot. That's it. Not even a three ball. They could potentially win 
the series that they just lost. Mm. I just feel like Rudy Gobert, he's one of my friends as well. I just feel like he's just, he's still raw. Are you going to have them doing like trust exercise where Donovan's We're going got to fall? Jackson. That trust that Donovan, Donovan, Donovan's got to fall in, in uh, Rudy's, you know, Man, hands and like We're doing trustful. Phil Jackson style. We're, oh, we we're, we're leaving. Yes, we're okay. going somewhere and we're all going sitting to the, in the mountains. We're going to the, the Native American yeah. reservation. Everybody's sitting in this circle because every, like, like, what do you mean you don't like this guy? Like, like, who are you to say you don't like him? Y'all need to fix this. You, you know gotta what I mean? Sage. Like, you got to sage yeah. the whole building, the locker room, yeah. all that. Christian, before I let you answer, going to go ahead and give you some numbers here. Donovan Mitchell's stats this season, 25 points per game, four rebounds per game, five assists per game, shooting 45, 44% from the field, 35% three-point, three-time All-Star overall. Rudy Gobert's stats, 15 points per game, 14 rebounds, 71% from the field. Obviously, a defensive powerhouse, three-time defensive player of the year, five-time all-defensive team, also a three-time All-Star what are you doing? Who leaves? Who stays? And what does that trade look like? Oh, man. I'm trading both of them. Rudy Gobert got to go. Donovan what? Mitchell got to go. This is why. I don't think you're going to get enough in exchange for Rudy Gobert that actually makes you a contender this year coming up, which means the year after that, you're probably still not going to have enough to be a contender, which means you really have one year because we're talking about, yeah, Donovan Mitchell has four years left on his deal. No, he has three years in the player option. If I'm Donovan Mitchell, that player option's already in the back of my mind. I'm not signing that. So you really got three years. You trade Rudy Gobert and get some pieces back. What are you going to get that's really going to move you over the hump? We God don't damn, want so blow the team up. Listen, we watched this happen with Portland, where you keep thinking that you're going to knock on the door and eventually get through. No. Take the hint. Trade them both. Get them. Get as much as you can right now. Start from scratch. There's nothing wrong with that. Build again. Do it over. Mitchell. Who do we get? You're getting the ghost of Donovan Mitchell. That man is out of well, here. He's some gone. Potential, some potential trade destinations for both, you know, starting with Rudy, you know, Rudy Gobert to Dallas for picks and players. Rudy Gobert to the Brooklyn Nets for Ben Simmons. Rudy Hell Gobert no. to the OKC Thunder for picks no, and players. I'm not giving that And up. then Pacers also were on the list for picks and players. We look at Mitchell Robinson. I'm sorry, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson, the New York Knicks. Hell that no. is also a potential trade for young players and picks. Miami, who has been okay. circulating now in this conversation a for a while, and Heat fans want Donovan, and they want him bad. bad for players and picks. And then also a name that has been thrown out there, James Harden, no, who would have a no. terrible time Come in on, Utah for no. um, James Harden and picks, sending Donovan Mitchell to Philly. I'm James Harden would hate it there. I'm keep, listen, y'all ain't going nowhere. Y'all fixing this now. The only place they going this. is Bora Bora every year. And you know what we doing, y'all? We bringing in a vet like a like a uh, what's the dude we love on the Heat? Udonis. We bringing in him or one of them old heads to just sit on the bench. And if they get out, oh, of oh, this hand, would not happen with you right, on the team. Like right, that right, much. right. If y'all get out of hand, y'all got to go through him for Listen, real. Listen, these teams have to. The room. These teams got to start being proactive. The writing has been on the wall for this is multiple years now of this pairing of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert not working right. out, and we know they're not going to get. You're going to get picks and players. For Rudy Gobert, what's that going to do except give you more draft capital down the road? Like, no, blow it up, move Donovan Mitchell, move Rudy Gobert, get all the assets and young, talented players that you can get, and build. That'll work. That'll make you a contender in 2027. Waiting it out will not. 
Before we close this out, I'll just say I don't think that they both can play together. I think the relationship is just beyond repair. For whatever reason, we really don't know exactly what the situation is. It's just beyond repair at this point. They just cannot function together. So one of them has to go. I don't think it's going to be Donovan Mitchell, unfortunately, because that team or fortunately, depending on what side of the argument you're on, it's just he's more tied to that Jazz franchise than I feel like Gobert is. But it would be interesting. I don't think Miami has enough picks that would equal a Donovan Mitchell, although I think Donovan and Bam, they have a great relationship. That would be a great team, and it would be that new age because Jimmy Butler is aging out. Kyle Lowry, as we're seeing, he's not a spring chicken. The team is young. I think Donovan Mitchell would be a great aspect or a great asset. I just don't know what that trade would look like because it's Tyler here and who else? Gabe Vincent? Like, it's just not enough. Um, New York would be great, but we would go ahead and be in a situation that we were in with Carmelo Anthony. You get one really great player, but you went ahead and you traded your entire future. And now who does that great player have to play with? Mm. So it's interesting. You know, unfortunately, it's just not, you know, working out. Rudy Gobert on the Knicks was something that was kind of thrown out there. Did you take that? I think, you know, from a defensive standpoint, absolutely. But the Knicks, but the Knicks is, the Knicks weakness is scoring. I think, right. you know, you didn't see their defensive powerhouse abilities this season, but right. the Knicks can play defense. It's just, they, they can. can't score. Mm-hmm. And Rudy has already shown he's not a big scorer. So, so I don't really know hire, how that he helps. He should hire a big man coach. Tyler Hero, Omer, Yurt Seven, and uh, throw in Gabe Vincent. And all yeah, your that's draft not gonna picks. work. All your draft picks not gonna work. Don Pat Mitchell. Riley has already told me he's gonna veto that. Has <laughs> <laughs> he really not? Nah, <laughs> Tyler Hero. I think it'll do it. That'll do it. Well, that also does it for three on five. So okay. All right, let's hit up the certified hotline and bring in our guest. He is currently the assistant coach for the Los Angeles Lakers, none other than the one and only Phil Handy. Let's give it up for him one time. Coach, how you doing today, man? (laughs) What's up, y'all? How you guys doing? That could have been a bigger round of applause. There's only three of us, so I'm sorry. We we got the, we got the, they had the after effects. We need the sound machine. We need the sound machine. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the gas, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Coach, we, we coming in hot with the first one. You know, you, you're an assistant coach. Players love you. We hear about your name all the whenever, whenever guys talk about the next head coaches coming up in the league, right? You hear about Darwin Ham. You hear about different guys. Your name obviously comes up all the time. Is that something that you want to do? Do you see yourself as, as a head coach in this league sometime? Yeah, I think it's been a it's been a real organic path for me. Um, you know, I started coaching the NBA, what, 2011? It's been a lot of learning. You know, I came in as as uh, one of the first develop, development coaches that the Lakers ever had back in 2011. So it's been it's been a tremendous learning curve for me over the last 11 years, and you know, probably within the last three years, I really started trying to put myself in a position to be looked at as as kind of like head coach material, um, just learning more things about defense and offense, and you know, breaking down the X's and O's and and game plans and strategies. So. Yes, I am definitely at that point now to where I know I'm ready to be a head coach. I know I'm ready to to take on my own team and, and direct a directorship in that fashion. What does that team look like? Is there a team? Do you want a team that's kind of in the very beginning stages, like in a team that's rebuilding or a team that's kind of already rebuilt, but still looking to get over that hump to where they're like a legit contender or at least somebody that we're going to see in the playoffs consistently until they become a contender? Yeah, I'm 
one, I'm not interested in losing. That's for sure. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in, in so to speak, quote unquote, rebuilding. Um, and again, the, being a head coach, you don't always get the opportunity to right pick and choose what you mm-hmm. want. But I do want a team that has the ability to compete. That's important mm-hmm. to me. So being able to take, you know, some young talent um, and putting that talent on the floor and put yourself in a compete in a position to compete and be in the playoffs. I would love to be in a situation like that and be able to develop some guys and be able to kind of help change a culture and create a culture and bring bring like a winning winning approach to the organization. So I think it's a it's a combination, but winning is important to me. It's always mm. always kind of been at the top of the list for me. No, absolutely. And you know, I've been lucky enough to see you train and lucky enough to see you coach. Um, close up um, how, how are you able to get people to like buy into what you're saying because the one thing I've noticed about your training sometimes people might not have that type of focus but when you're finished with them they buy into that winning concept like how did you learn that and where did you get it from you know at least look man I think it's very similar to what you do like we've been in the gym together I'm a truth teller you know I believe in telling the truth to athletes no matter who they are uh, whether it's you know Bron or Austin Reeves right I try to coach everybody the same. When I step on the floor with an athlete, I try to make sure that I give all of myself to that athlete mm. because that's what I want back. I want right. the same. I want the athlete to give me everything he has. So I believe in that that sweat equity type of attitude. I'm going to give you what I want, what I want back. So being able to tell the truth and then, you know, part of the work is always, right, not skipping details. How do we coach guys? Mm. How do we help them get better? Uh, and the smallest details are, are, you know, I've always said that that's an area where athletes grow the most when you break them down on some of the smaller details of what they're doing, their footwork, their balance, their shooting, all of these different facets of the game. But, you know, I've always just been a guy that's tried to tell the truth when I get on the floor with athletes. You Absolutely. talk about the you wanting to be part of a winning team and winning being important to you. Listen. Three out of the six years, you've been part of some championship teams, okay? <laughs> major, major. Listen, 2016 Cavs, 2019 Raptors, 2020 Lakers. That's I mean, huge. are you the secret sauce to the formula <laughs> of success? I'm just asking. You know what? I'm just a piece of the puzzle. I think, <laughs> I think really part of like people take for granted, you know, it's always just athletes, right, that they have to fit into this, the team scheme or they have to know their role. Coaches are the same way. As an assistant coach, I've always just been very adamant about what's my role, all right? And let me perform that to the highest of my ability. So, you know, part of my role has always been developing and making sure our players stay sharp. So I've just always tried to make sure that I do my job and do it to the best of my ability and not really try to spill over into the other avenues. So I think the secret sauce behind all of that is just, I've been one that's, that's been willing to fit into the piece of the puzzle and try to do my job at the highest level that I can. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, when we talk about a couple of the, the other teams that you've been on, I mean, the 2016 Cavaliers, mm. I mean, when, when you think about game four and, and how all that broke, can you, can you kind of just even maybe just recount how that series went and, and just what turned the tide to be able to get you guys on the right path in that series? Because it looked like you guys had to, you know, some things weren't on track. And then it just like it was almost like you guys flipped the switch, and now you guys are NBA champions. Man, we were getting our asses whooped for the lack of way of putting it. Man, Golden State was like, you know, I'm from the Bay Area, so it had a little bit more of a personal, personal thing for me. But they were, they were killing us. 
you know, the first two games, they really, they were toying with us. You know, when you get to that part in the season where you're in the NBA finals, like you, you kind of work the whole season to get there, right? We here now, let's fight, you know, let's fight for it. And yeah. I just felt like that they were making a mockery of us. And, and look, T. Lou has been uh, a great mentor and a friend of mine for a long time. I've coached with him. And I just got to a point, me personally, where I was just fed up. I don't like, mm-hmm. I take it personal when other players on other teams are talking shit in front of my bench. I take mm-hmm. it personal. Yeah. And, you know, if anybody knows me, you see me, I get into it all the time with opposing team players because I'm, I'm cool with the celebrating. You know, you, you got good energy. You make some, you make some good plays, but take that shit to your bench. Don't do it in front mm-hmm. of mine and don't, I just, I take it personal. So for me, after game two, I was really in a place where I just felt like Draymond, Clay, Steph, they were just clowning us. Mm-hmm. It was just, they were just putting on a show. They were in front of our bench dancing. Draymond was barking at everybody. And I was just like, nah, man, we, we can't, we can't go out like this. And T. Lou was gracious enough to let me black out. I want to use that word. I blacked out in front of the team. A lot of F-bombs. A lot of N words, a lot of B words. Sometimes you need those words. Yeah. And um, really just for the sense of right, just challenging our guys of like, look, man, Cleveland's a hard nosed city. We're not representing the city in the right fashion. And we we in the finals, man. We put in a lot of work to get here. Let's let's respond and let's compete. You know, they they went out and and kind of carried that, I think that attitude from game three on and just gave themselves an opportunity to win and and uh, and compete in that for the rest of that series. We talk about Draymond. I mean, he's at the center now of another controversial call, much like in 2016, where he got (laughs) ejected in that series. It happened again in Memphis. Now, you let him tell it. The referees, you know, just go ahead and treat him solely on reputation and not so much exactly what's happening on the court. What did you make of, you know, the call in the Memphis series? And did you see any correlations or any truth to the fact that he is treated differently solely on reputation? Man, I love Draymond. Draymond is <laughs> he's an ultimate competitor, but he gets away with more shit than anybody in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'll say this, because his reputation as a tough physical defender, right, he's He's earned that reputation. He is a he is a nasty dude when it comes to his defense. So as you earn that reputation in the league, then the refs sometimes let you get away with a little bit more, right? He's earned that. I didn't think that was a flagrant two foul. I thought it was a flagrant right. one. I thought they were going to shoot free throws and he would he would be able to continue to play. I think his his probably his discrepancy was the inconsistency at times and how how yeah. things are called and how how uh, how different calls are made. And I probably, in that particular situation, maybe, maybe his his reputation was kind of infused in that a little bit. But then also too, right? You, you're in Memphis. They keep showing the play over and over again, and so mm-hmm. the crowd factor, right? They got the they got the play showing up on the big screen. So the refs are yeah. reviewing it, and they're showing it over and over again. And the crowd is going crazy in Memphis, you know. And so that sometimes that plays a factor into it in playoff basketball there's all these different nuances that people don't always think about uh and it you know that call could have went could have went either way you know are you surprised it wasn't downgraded Mm. a little bit i again just watching it from from tv you know and and referees they go and they do their review and they look at it from different angles they might have saw something different but just looking at it on tv i thought it would have been a fragrant one 
and he would have been able to continue the game. But man, Dre Monza, yeah. but he he knows, you know, he's he's won enough championships. <laughs> he knows the difference between you know making uh, that that was a, that could have been a big a big mistake for them. They ended up winning that game, but you know he's a big part of what they do. So he, I think he he understands and he's aware. He'll be more conscious of it through the rest of the series. Coach, we can't move on from the 2016 championship without talking about Kyrie and the shot that he hit in that series in mm. Game 7 and also how his career has kind of grown from that moment. Just, A, what do you remember about that moment when he hit that shot? Uh, and, and, B, just what do you make of all the noise that's surrounding him now? I mean, there was noise that followed him to Boston. I cover him here in Brooklyn. Just what do you make of the noise that's been following Kyrie? Man, Kai, Kai is just a different dude. And if you, if you haven't had a chance to get to know him, I think the misconception that goes around the media is that he's, you know, he's weird. He's a, he's a troublemaker. He's, he's uncoachable. Kai is just a real dude. And if he doesn't know you, he's not fooling with you. That's to start one about his personality of how he is. If he not know you, he not. And he was, he treated me the same way when I first got to Cleveland, he didn't know me. Mm. And he was like, man, and he said it to my face, he was like, OG, I don't know who you are. Like, I, I don't trust, I don't trust people like that. Hey, so, listen. For me, you know what I'm saying? Like that shot, the, the the time that I spent with Kyrie in Cleveland, some of our early conversations were, what do you want your legacy to be? Do you just want to be, mm. you want to be a really good player on a bad team? All right, so what, you've been, you made some all-star games, but you ain't made the playoffs. So I talked to him about just, what do you want your legacy to be? Cause he's a supremely talented player, right? And so mm. to see his growth to that point, Right, getting into that point to win a to to have a game winning shot in game seven in the finals, man, it was it was awesome to just be a part of that and to see him grow into that and to kind of see him take some stock into like, yo, I do care about what my legacy is like. I do want to be looked at as a winner. I do want to win championships. I want to be looked at as one of the best point guards to ever play this game. So, you know, to see him go step into that light, man, that was huge. It was, mm. you know, that's probably the biggest, one of the biggest moments of his career. And then afterwards, you know, I think he also stepped into this space of, okay, man, I've learned a lot from LeBron. We, you know, we've had a great run here in Cleveland. Maybe I want to, I want to try being my own man. And I, and I use that, that term loosely. You know, he is a grown man, but I'm saying in the sense of ba basketball in his basketball life, yeah. just like maybe, right. you know, let me see, I want, I want to try this out and I want to do my own thing. And I respect that. I respect how he did it. You know, he took a lot of flack. Or right, he did it. Nah, man, he was quiet. He went and sat down face to face with Dan Gilbert and said, hey, this, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. He didn't do it in the media. He, he went as a young man. Let me let me talk to Dan Gilbert and say, okay, this, you know, this is what I want for my future. And I think just mm. what, what has happened since, there's been a lot of up and down for him. Yeah. But I think what Kyrie is doing is understanding that the game of basketball is just that he's finding other areas of his life or what his true purpose is, what matters to him away from the game. And I think he's not, he's not letting the game of basketball influence what's important to him in his life, which is a big difference, uh, right? Yeah. Those are, those are, those are big differences, but you know, look, the media and the world, obviously him as a basketball player, people get to see that one side of him and they want him to just be a basketball player. But you know he, he's got kids now. He's got a family now, and you know he's he's coming into his own spiritual finding, right? So those things yeah. was becoming important to him. 
And so I just think a lot of a lot of those areas he's he's really misunderstood. I will go on record and say this. Okay. He is probably the most skilled player to ever play. Mm. Offensively. I'll give you that. Absolutely. Offensively, offensively, probably the most skilled player to ever put on basketball shoes. I'll give you Were that. you surprised then that he was that he wasn't on the top seventy five? No, not surprised. Mm. I mean, know Penny Hardaway wasn't on the top seventy five. I mean, come on, there's a lot of people that should have been on that list. That I mean, it's a lot, right? It's it's a lot of people when you start talking about a top seventy five. Just like if you you ask people for their top five outside of yeah. maybe three of those guys, there's there's a rolodex of of people that you can put into that top five that are. Sure. Elite, elite players, right? So it's, I think it's a lot of it is is opinion, mm-hmm. and then the people you know who who put together that list of seventy five. So it's all these different different opinions, but that's neither here or there, man. The kid's a champion, and he's he's a he's a supremely skilled basketball player. <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> In 2018, 2019, um, you you were training Kawhi. You guys won the championship that year. That year, he actually scored uh, 26.6 uh, points per game. Then the next year, he scored 27 with San Antonio. What did you do to, like, get Kawhi to get to that next level? Like you said, how you got Kyrie to get to that next level, how when you train Kobe, you got him to that next level. Just like what you're doing with LeBron with his shooting, you got him to the next level mentally. Because we, we could see that Kawhi was very different that year. He was The, mm. the way he was locked in was just, just unreal. Like, what type of – I know you said certain type of mind games you do, but, like, what did you do different with Kawhi? Because me as a trainer, all due respect to him – I, I'm, I'm not seeing that same type of concentration like what I saw when he was playing for the Raptors. Well, man, Leith, I'll say this. Being a, a somebody that's, you know, we're in the training world and you know what that means. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. I'll mm-hmm. be the first to say that I don't take credit for anything these guys do. We are someone who is there to, to help collaborate mm-hmm. with them. And what? They have to do the work. They mm-hmm. have to physically and mentally buy into whatever this process of me getting better. So I can't never take credit. I've been fortunate enough and blessed enough to work with all of those dudes you just named. But I think mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing for Kawhi was when he left San Antonio, he wanted to prove people wrong. Mm. It was a lot. I think there was a little bit of a cloud about just who he was, uh, his injury, and just how the whole thing with San Antonio ended, right? And I just think for him, shoot, he, he wanted to prove that he was an elite player. And so he set about, you know, when he got traded to Toronto, I had just signed in Toronto. I reached out to him and said, hey, man, mm-hmm. tell me what you want to work on. What do you want to get better at? And I think that's one of the first questions I always try to ask guys. Instead of mm-hmm. me guessing, I want to know directly from their mouth where they want to improve. And, you know, two of the things he talked about was his ball handling and his footwork. And we set out on that path. You know, I went to San Diego and spent a whole month with him and we sat on that path just every day, helping him get better. And he put in the work and he mm. bought he bought into it. Chris, and again, I know, you know what I'm saying when I talk about mm-hmm. guys, they have to buy into their own development, right? Mm-hmm. Even at that point in his career, LeBron, even at this point in his career, he he's still trying to figure out ways to get better. But I really just feel like Kawhi was so locked into wanting to get better with his handle, showing mm-hmm. people that he was, you know, not so much this robot, but he's a guy that's got a yeah. little bit of wiggle. You know, he can break people down. Mm-hmm. I just think that people saw him play 
you know, San Antonio's a, a hell of a machine. They developed him into a great player, you know, mm -hmm. and then he came out of that and he had a little bit more freedom in Toronto, right? Just, just freedom to do some different things. And I just think that people saw parts of his game that they just didn't get to see in San Antonio. How did you get people to buy into the bubble in 2020? Because mm -hmm. that was a different experience. Obviously, the Lakers came out on top. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, you know, to this day will have the conversation. Was it a real championship? Is it a real <laughs> ring? Did it count? But Man. I think people. Haters. They're, right. No, but I think people <sighs> ignore the fact of the mental anguish, not only what was going on in society, but being in an environment you're away from your family. There's no crowd. It's kind of Groundhog Day in a sense. It's the same thing every single day in some way shape or form how did you guys overcome that to become champions well i know one thing when we went into that bubble they all went in with one thing on their mind like if we're leaving our families we're going to be isolated away from the world y'all come in here locked in and Brian was very adamant about that message you know rondo was really a huge advocate of that and that team that we had that whole year they were just so locked in when we got into mm. the bubble rondo rondo had broke his hand mm. this is a lot of people don't really know he broke his hand and he was on our coaches zooms every day he was in our meetings he asked coach vogel he said can i sit in on the meetings i want to be a part i want to i want to learn i want to i want to still stay a part of it and he was in our zooms every day like adding input value like coach okay this is what i see and he's you know, learning our process but our guys were locked in they were completely locked into the fact that we're in here we might as well be here to come in here and win this thing and i don't care what people say any they can say whatever they want fake championship asterisk championship tell you what our name is by it we got the trophy we got the rings mm -hmm. i'd rather my name or i'd rather i'll be part of that team than somebody else get it Right. Exactly. We went in, right. we went into that bubble and we went into that bubble with one thing in our mind, and that was to win a championship. And it wasn't easy. Yeah, I believe it. Coach, you know, we only have you for a few more minutes, so we gotta ask you this one. You know, you And we gotta get enough. into the app. Yeah, and, right. and the app, of course. We're not we're not going feet, away baby. without that one. That's a fact. But you've been blessed enough to work with both obviously LeBron and one of our fallen legends, obviously Kobe. You know, what What makes them different? Is there anything that, that makes them unique or, or actually makes them similar anyways? How would you kind of like compare and contrast the two? In their training aspects, at least. Yes. Right. I mean, look, yeah. their, their approach to the game is is a level. I mean, it's top it's top of the top of the line. I'm talking about how they approach their work in the weight room and on the basketball court. Those two things alone are what set them dudes apart. And I'm talking about just their attack. Like Bron is relentless in the weight room. You know, he's he's realistically in the weight room almost 365 days a year. Every day he does something to his body to keep himself. Cole was the same way. You know, believe in just, just how they play the game, right? They play the game with so much force. You're physical, and you know, that's why they, you know, they went through their careers. You know, Cole got hurt at the end. You know, Bron's starting mm -hmm. to have a few nagging injuries here and there, but their longevity throughout their careers, that's why they didn't have injuries is because they took care of their body. And then their work ethic on the floor, you're not gonna all work them. Them dudes are just, they're very smart. They're very talented. They are, they're physically gifted already, right? But their work ethic is at a supreme, supreme high level. And I'm just talking about early, late, doesn't matter. They love the game of basketball. Then you infuse their confidence. 
Their yeah. confidence is unshakable. There isn't anything I can't do on the floor. And then I add on to that, their basketball IQ. They're smart. Mm. So that's a that's a volatile combination. You're skilled, you have work ethic, you're smart, you're 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 mentally locked in, all of those things. Two different players, right? But those are the things that right. common denominators as to why those dudes have been at the top of the food chain for the longest time. I mean, we've seen LeBron on the podium like recite possession yeah. for possession of what <laughs> happened in the course mm-hmm. of a game. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, were you watching or playing? Because how is this possible? <laughs> like, it's absolutely insane, well, that memory of his. But we got to get into your app. You're coming out with an app to help people with their game. So is this like for LA fitness legends who are trying to become like NBA players or do you have to have like an actual skill set to no. go ahead and reap the benefits of this app? Like, is it going to make Christian into an all-star? Hey, nah. listen, I need to be in that celebrity all-star game. Stop playing, coach. Hold it down. Nah, I got two trainers here. Y'all got to hold about me down. To say it. <laughs> He got his man right next to him. They go get him get that jump shot right. You know, the app. I'll give you uh, an example. There was a forty-year-old young lady in Germany mm. during the pandemic. She never played basketball in her life. She saw one of my videos with me training a little young lady named Jiggy, and she got the app. She taught herself how to dribble. If I send, mm. if I send you guys a video of this woman. When I say she's handling the ball, she mm. in two years through the app, she taught herself how to handle the basketball. And I'm talking about to the point to where I could use her as a demonstrator for some of my drills. She handles oh, wow. the ball. Wow. So to your question, the app is anybody in the basketball community, coaches, trainers, players, parents, the weekend warriors, the app. The weekend warriors. <laughs> is built to accommodate anybody in the basketball space, beginners, intermediate, advanced. It has a little bit of everything. And just me sharing my knowledge, right? There's all these different ways to teach. Lethal, Chris has his own way of teaching, but it's all about what us just sharing our knowledge to the basketball community to make basketball as, as, as a whole, just a better community. So it's for anybody. Anybody that wants to tap in and, and learn, you know, some of the ways that I've trained and made me successful as a coach and trainer. That's what the uh, 94 Feet of Game app is about. Christian, you know look, it's going to get you ready for Rucker this summer. There's hope for you, We bro. outside. Stop playing. Summertime fun. I need it. I need to light up Rucker and then be outside. Let's There's go. hope for you at the Rucker this summer, homie. Uh, oh, I love it. Maybe I if I got coach in my corner, you know what I'm saying, I might be able to do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't gas it. Y'all ain't got no faith. Y'all ain't got no faith oh, in the shot. I'm outside. Well, tell, let's make sure we let everybody know what the app is. It's 94 uh, feet. And uh, basically, what I want everybody to understand is, like he said, his training isn't just for LeBron, Kobe. It's for anybody from four years old to mm-hmm. 65 years old. So if you're trying to take your game to the next level, he's definitely one of the people that can help you make your game that much better. So definitely make sure you check out that app because I've seen him train, I've seen him coach, and he's definitely, we look at him as like the person that has laid the foundation for us as African-American trainers to say that, you know what, I want to be a skills coach because mm. he's one of those people that has have broken the foundation for people like me to be able to walk into uh, franchises. So he's definitely one of those people that has laid down it for us. Amazing. Oh, I love yeah. giving out flowers. Yeah, oh, my God. Time. Here she go. <laughs> I love that. 
nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that Coach. makes me so oh, happy. <laughs> Coach, before uh, we let you go, you know what I'm saying? Who who you got winning it all this year and why? Oh, man, that's Miami. a tough one. I think, um, I mean, Miami's up there. They have an opportunity. I think there's a there's a handful yeah. of teams, right? Um, yeah. Golden State has kind of kind of gotten back to their level of basketball. Um, you know, Clay is mm-hmm. healthy and their young guys are playing really well. Look, Phoenix has has shown that they're they're consistent uh, with what they're trying to do and what they're build down there. They're tough. Um, you know, I look at those two teams in in the West, um, and then obviously Miami and, and Milwaukee out of the East. Um, yeah, mm. you can pick either one. I just think Miami's in a really good place. You know, they get Kyle Lowry back. I think they're strong, but I really like Milwaukee and what they're doing, man. They they are showing that they've grown under the under the ability of winning a championship they're showing that they they've grown and matured and, and they are a championship caliber team so i don't have a pick man i can, <laughs> I, can I can take you could take anyone you want and generally when i'm not in the finals i could care less who's winning <laughs> seriously you know what i'm saying i'll make the pick for you we go on bucks <laughs> over the warriors bucks is seven Coach, thank you so much for pulling up to the Certified Buckets podcast. You and before we the... let you go, though, yeah, go make ahead. sure you plug tell us the name of your time. app one more time. Tell everyone what? where they can find it. And if there's anything else you want to plug, yeah, the absolutely. floor is right. yours. I need to hire you. I need to, I need to bring you. <laughs> 94 feet of game app. You can get it you know, in the Google Store, Adroids. You can get the Apple Store. Go online, 94feetofgame.com. It's, it's all there for you. It's, it's available and ready. That's Coach Phil Handy. Thank you so much for popping on the Thanks, show. Thanks, Coach. I appreciate, appreciate you. Guys. And we, we look forward to seeing you wearing that head coach fit on the sideline sometime soon, my man. Thank hey, you. Hey, when by. the Knicks fire Tibbs, there's a spot for you. Oh, oh my squad. God. All know. right, Coach. We got it. Just saying. Just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just putting it out there. That's all. Oh, I'm just putting it out there. That's oh, it. y'all. Goodness. Man, I, wow. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the love for everybody. Thank y'all. Dog, that was an amazing conversation with the legend. I mean, legendary Phil Handy. We should give it up for him one time for the one time. Hashtag legendary. Facts. Let's (laughs) switch it up, though. That's not the only thing legendary. We got on the timeline. You know what time it is. It's time to scroll down the timeline. It's on the TL. All right, so first thing on the timeline is the Met Gala, which was this Monday. And as usual... I'm sure everybody's timeline was filled with Twitter going off about some stuff on the red carpet. Mm. I mean, this year's theme was centered around the Gilded Age. Lethal, listen, mm. if you were on the red carpet, if you were at the Met Gala, well, I know your wardrobe is deep, brother. Tell me what you'd mm. be wearing. Well, we have to go with the theme, but I feel like when they have these type of functions, they try <laughs> to make certain people dress a certain type of way that doesn't even fit them. And all mm-hmm. due respect to some of the people, but it's like, that ain't you. So it's just like... I would. I don't care if it's that type of theme. I'm wearing a black suit. I'm gonna be looking the way I want to look. I just feel like some of the stylists that be that they, they have style. I don't care if it's Versace or these other high, supposed to be quote unquote brands, but they be having people dress kind of weird to me. But hey, you and <laughs> Ashley might know fashion better than me, but I feel like some of the ways that these people dress, uh, it's just it's just confusing to me. And I think Damian Lillard said something about it as well. It's just like I might I might be out the loop, but I know for sure. I'm not wearing that stuff. I love the Met Gala. I'm big on fashion. I think the cool (laughs) thing about it is, 
you know, exploring, you know, going outside of the box and, and mm. a, th a theme, you know, it's supposed to be couture. It's supposed to be very like museum like and mm. just, you know, expanding on what your normal realm of dressing is like a big costume party, essentially. Mm. So it's not really supposed to be you. It's supposed to be an exaggeratory version of you. I love that. I hate when people don't do the theme, though, because mm. it's like if you just wanted to wear a dress, you could have done that at any other party. Like it doesn't go the whole point is to celebrate the theme. The mm. Gilded Age, for people who don't know, is between like the 1870s and like the early 1900s. Mm. So lots of corsets, a lot of like top hats and just mm. like tuxedos and just like, you know, puffy sleeves. And I mean, it's just a cool way to like explore different eras of fashion. And I hate when people don't take that opportunity. I loved what Russell Westbrook was wearing. I thought mm. it was cool. I thought it was on theme. It looked like something Westbrook would wear. I mean, it should. I agree, though. It should adhere to you. You should feel comfortable, but you should also like play around a little bit. It's supposed to be—it's like Halloween almost. It's so supposed are, to be fun. I feel like I feel like it might be you know like Halloween, but I feel like our culture movers that do it get played the most in those type of situations mm. because the people yeah. that do their fits make them look a little more outrageous than some of the other people look. You mm. know what I mean? Like, not saying mm. any names, but I feel like our culture Hot movers take yeah. on social media, like they're just like being made fun of. And it's just like it, it don't You're even also look being right. made fun of by someone sitting on their couch with potato chips on their stomachs in well, sweatpants. That's not, that's so not like, true. I just feel like I just feel like I, I get what you're saying, but it's just like I don't I don't care if it's Versace. I don't care if this costs twenty five million dollars. Like this is some of the stuff you have to admit. When some I agree. Of stuff I think you saw it, yesterday you was like, "What the hell?" I think it should. I think you should feel comfortable, and I think you should yeah. want to wear it. Like I, I love think, what D Wade wore. Oh, with the shirtless thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's super yeah, D Wade. I mean, I'm not saying I'll be, but I'm saying like that was just more like that, okay, that's cool. what you would wear, Lethal. I mean, yeah. I can't wear that. I don't got the D Wade apps. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but I love D Wade's outfit. You know oh I mean? man, can I claim Tim's as something that would have been eligible mm. in the Gilded hey. Age? Swiss can Beats had on a Yankee. Oh, did you see his fit? I like that fit. See, I fit. I fit with Swiss Beats fit. Like I can wear that fit. Yeah. Am I, you feel what I'm saying? That's more of me. Like, yeah. who did his fit? I bet you it was somebody. It was from Ralph Lauren. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's cool. That was a good fit. But I, I promise you that person that probably did it for Ralph Lauren was somebody a part of that culture that's from that New York. Yeah, Fatima uh, was his stylist, but Ralph Lauren designed the outfit. Who's Fatima? Outfit. She's a know. celebrity um, stylist. Okay, where is she yeah. from? I'm not 100% sure. Okay, okay. But, but I, I, Ralph from Lauren's from the Bronx. Is Fatima from Queens? She I gotta think she be. might be from What New they York, had on, sure. you could tell she's she's hip like you guys, New York savvy. Like, if this is the same you know Fatima I'm that I'm, I'm thinking of, I actually met her at a rooftop party in Brooklyn. It was kind of fire. That's um, dope. Yeah. Okay. Moving on next on the timeline is none other than King Push. We got to show love to Pusha T. I saw him tweet this. We all can't be number one at the same time. This week's mine. Thank you mm. to all. Hashtag it's almost dry. That tweet was celebrating his album going number one. Ashley, I'm not sure if you listened to this album just yet. I just want to know what you know. What I'm saying what what is your favorite album of the year so far? Mm. I'm a huge Pusha T fan. I've been a Pusha T fan since the Clips days. So I love anything and all things Pusha. This mm. is my favorite album so far of the year. Obviously, we're only in May. There's a lot right. of music that's left to be dropped. I love Pusha T. I'm a huge Pusha fan, have been since day one. He's just, I know a lot of people are like, how much longer is he gonna talk about cocaine? Forever, forever <laughs> and ever. Mind your business. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Christian? 
This is my favorite sleeping? album of the year. Future. Exactly. This is that's what the what streets needed. We needed We need him to speak more. We needed more future. Listen. Right. Fellas, it's up. You feel me? It's up. The summer is ours. We needed some new future. He came out talking about I can't see y'all because you know the vibes. We don't like y'all. We here. Stop playing. That's my album of the year. Even if it sounds like everything else he's ever made in his entire life, literally sounds like still the album. You feel me? It's a vibe. It's the energy, fellas. We up. For those of you who didn't know, Christian was leaned back in his chair. With one of his COVID masks over one his, his eyes. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's, it's a, a Tiffany. It's a Tiffany. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Bought, it looks like a mask. He bought somebody something. He bought nah, somebody listen, something I from Tiffany. I can't get a gift. I can't get a gift. This is actually a gift from and, my mother. And, and, and put it Tiffany's over his pen. eyes at like like Future's album cover. So that's what he was doing. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's toxic like his man Future. You know the vibes. <laughs> Lethal, what's your favorite album of the year, brother? I don't know if you guys have studied this, but you know people are more intrigued into beats than the words. Yeah. So I, I think future beats are always just like on point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like I gotta go, I gotta go with future. Like his beats of I gotta yeah. go with future. Future, whatever. Pusha, my guy. But all of this don't matter come May 13th, because Kendrick is back. That's all yeah, I'm gonna say. He's a fact. That's my guy too. These he's are back. facts. Last but not least, no spoilers. But my timeline was buzzing about the end of season four of Ozark, and I didn't even get to watch it. Don't so tell I'm kinda me. I'm kind of mad. Do we Ash, gotta talk about it? I guess we do because it's in the rundown. Oh my but Ash, God. I'm sure can you I, got. Can I take my headset? Listen, out and you can. Go I'm, not walk, I'm not gonna spoil it. I'm not gonna spoil it. Without Thank spoiling you. anything, Ashley, can you rate the end of season four on a scale of one to ten for you? I want three years of my life back. I'm so pissed off. I am so mad. All right, it's but not don't even go into funny. detail. I'm don't not going to go detail. into detail. Go into I'm detail. just saying I am putting it up there with Game of Thrones, Sopranos, oh, Dexter, no. and bad series endings. What? I'm so pissed off. Like, I can't even actually wow. talk about this Do with you, you think, guys. So is this the finale? How do you say the it? Is series this, it's over. finale. It's over. The series it's over. is over. It's, it's done. It's like they're not even recording ever again. It just... <sighs> The first half of season four was great. If you haven't right. watched it, please do. Right. And I had a feeling that the second half was going to leave me pissed off right, because right, right. every episode was just gradually worse. And I'm like, you know what? Not, you know what? Jason Bateman, the whole squad, they're going to tie this bad boy at the end. It's all going to be worth it. It's going to blow my mind. I'm watching it. I'm like, my mind's not blown. Not here right. for it. Not happy. I am very upset. So, Very so, upset. So it's nothing like compared to what we've been watching. No. Yeah. Did you did you see the la- did you guys see the last episode of Better Call Saul? No, I didn't. It. But I you didn't know what? That that's a great. Much. That's a great way. That's a great point. How they because, ended it. Right. Like you like that look, ending? No, that ending was okay, but it was better than this. Oh wow. And I'm gonna tell you this: as a Breaking Bad enthusiast, right. one of my favorite shows of all time, right. I have yet to see a show that has done what Breaking Bad did with that series finale. Ozark, you should be ashamed of yourself. Oh my goodness. Three years no. of my life yeah, you chill, wasted baby. for that. Don't I am disgusted. I am appalled. Yeah. I am aggravated. <laughs> Get the bars and I'm off, very ass. upset. I'm <laughs> very upset. How dare you? The audacity and the nerve. You should be ashamed of yourself. That's all I'm <laughs> you know, wow. You know what show gives me the exact opposite? vibes what winning time i and, and you know you like great it? show what i love that show you know it's you know it's a great show when everybody who's involved in it is mad about it right <laughs> you got jerry west over here about to file a lawsuit to supreme court about. yeah i'm like yo jerry west if you sit your ass down right quick and watch this show 
old but it man was mad accurate. That's why clouds. he's mad. That's what I'm saying, oh, man. Oh my god, it's crazy. It, that show, <laughs> Lilo, do you, you don't like Winning Time? I, I I saw the beginning, but when I saw when Magic was saying, he was saying, I said, you know what, I ain't even gonna watch it because you know if, if Magic nah. and them, I don't want to watch something that they that they didn't have any voice on. You but know you I mean? watch like, Magic's documentary, they call me Magic. Yeah, it's spot on, Magic. Like I know I you mad, Magic. That's funny. They, they got you to a T, homeboy. Like yeah. to a T. So. It's a great show. I enjoy Winning Time a lot, even if it season is a little. Back. Oh, that's great, right? I, I thought they was going to try to shut it I'm down. Gonna watch thought... the, I'm gonna watch the rest of the episodes tonight, then, and let you guys. I'm gonna just binge all night. It's that's... it's really good. And yeah. like, listen, Jerry. I know you know. He is. I, he's talking I about going to the mad. Supreme Court. Supreme you hear Court, me? Jerry. Like, Jerry, you, you got better Johnny Cochran. He's how pissed. you mad when like it's a mirror image of you, bro? Like, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> him saying he wants to take this to the Supreme Court is exactly what the depiction of him and winning time. Kind of prove the point, Jerry. Crazy. You're kind of proving the point. Really That's hate to see it, man. Yeah. Just sit back, Jerry. Enjoy the show like the rest of us. I hope, I hope Jerry figures that out. But you guys know what time <laughs> it is, man. Certified bucket of the week. Before we end the show, it's time for my segment. You know what they say. One man's garbage is another man's buckets. That's right, the certified bucket of the week. That's good, Josh. Getting better and better. That's <laughs> that's like three for three. Verified with our stamp of approval, it's the certified bucket of the week. But oh, I'm gonna have man. to go with my certified bucket. I have to go with Giannis because mm. um, he's able to play that '90s basketball, that early 2000s basketball. He's not afraid of nobody. He's going. How many superstars we know plays play that hard? He plays mm. as if he's the the last guy on the bench. He always gives everything 110%. And, you know, to watch him just – this is the reason why on our podcast we're so hard on all the other superstars um, because we want them – everybody's not the same like you guys always say. Everybody's not Kobe. Everybody's not MJ. Everybody's not LeBron. But we just want everybody just, – just play hard. You know what I mean? And Giannis is a great example that how many games could, can we say that, you know what, Giannis didn't go hard, you know? So mm. I just want to give it give it to Giannis to tell him to keep up the great work and let's see what they do today. That's a good point. Whether good or bad, it's all effort from Giannis. Mm-hmm. That is factual facts. I got to go to someone who shares an agent with Giannis and that's Bam Adebayo because mm. he is proving why he was snubbed as a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year and he facts. did so last night against Philadelphia. 24 points, 12 rebounds. 8 for 10 shooting. Heat were plus 26 when he was on the court. The great thing about Bam is sometimes he doesn't always have the most points offensively, but he's always effective defensively. He told me when I interviewed him that he takes defense personally. He says, I don't want you to score when you're on me, and when you do, I feel like I got to go harder because that's my job to make sure you can't score. You can Mm. see it in his aggression. You can see it in his effort. He's willing to dive on the floor. It's that grit that you love so much, Lethal. Mm -hmm. He's willing to sacrifice his body in the paint. He's willing to go ahead and ruffle some feathers. And I mean, when he's on offensively, he's on offensively. You know, they talk about it all the time. They would love for him to shoot more. Jimmy's like, shoot the ball, bam. And, you know, he hasn't really got that bag in his game yet. But I'm telling you right now, he gets a nice little mid-range game. It's over. Mm -hmm. It's It's a problem. So shout out to Bam Adebayo on the Miami Heat. Um, You know, well-oiled machine over there, as I say often. For the record, it's a crime. That he was now a top three. Talk about it. You're a voter. Talk about it. I vote. I had talk him in my talk. top three, right next to Marcus Smart and and, and Michael Bridges, Mikael Bridges, Mikael. Bridges. How do you pronounce it? Mikael. You say it right, Mikael. Mikael. Yeah, Mikael mm-hmm. Bridges. I think those three. I mean, we're talking about they Rudy different. Gobert. At a certain point, 
Rudy Gobert, we got to stop giving him Defensive Player of the Year votes. I'm sorry. He's, he's, he has a great Talk impact, yes, but we're seeing what Bam is able to do in defending all five positions. Versatile, I don't think we get that from Rudy, but he's a great defensive player. Getting to my certified bucket, I got two, right? Oh, we can, one we of them, can pick two? Hold up. Listen, I, I mean, know that. one of them is a joke. <laughs> It's a, it's a oh, shot at uh, it's a shot at my guy Nick Claxton needs to be getting those certified buckets at the foul line when t- went one for eleven in game oh, four. Yeah, yes, this is late. Geez, this I is late, but that. I ain't give him no shit before before I pass him my now. number, bro. Pass him one number. for eleven from the foul line, Nick is unacceptable, and you know that you'll be back. Put in that certified practice at the foul line. My actual certified bucket is going to Luka Doncic. Why? 45 mm. points, and it's just so sad. 45 points playing on a bad leg. He was grabbing mm. at his leg the whole time. Gave him 45, still couldn't win. I mean, look, number one, get that boy some help. Call Dame, call Bradley Beal, call whoever you got to call. Get some help. 45 is a great start, but, I mean, at this rate, he's going to need to put 60 to beat them sons, man. It's mm. bad. All right, guys, so that is a wrap for this episode of Certified Buckets, and we want you to do yourself a favor. Rate five stars and drop a review if you're listening on Apple. Shoot your shot on social media at Certified Buckets. No vowels in the words buckets. And we are on all social media platforms. We want to hear from you, and if you come correct, you might just hear your comments on our next show. But until next week, we are out. Peace. 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 Love. Chicken grease.